Ladies and gentlemen, we are lucky enough to have an incredible presentation. Big hand for Jeff Smith. Yay! i thrilled to be here again. Brian, love what you do. Appreciate what you're doing for our community. It's a big deal. Really appreciate it. Hi, I'm Jeff. I, the CEO of SMUEL, the leading social network in music. I'm also a consulting professor at Stanford. I teach the class on data science and music each spring. And here, I'm going to talk about the predictive power of musical data. So um, it's not a SMUEL infomercial, don't worry. First, we have to make a tribute here to our new Nobel laureate, Bob Dylan. But indeed, the times, they are a-changing. We go back, here's 81. Do you remember these guys? Okay, I'm gonna jump out here. Don't look at my slides while I'm doing this. By the way, on Smule, our 50 million monthly active users are performing 20 million songs a day on their phones. Here we go. I love There's only you in my life The only thing that's right My first love your every breath that I take, your every step I make, and I, I want to share all my love with you. No one else will do. So here's a duet on Smule. Um, this is one of 20 million that happen each day. It's, this is an interesting duet. We're going to drill down on the significance of this, but just some key facts up front. If you check out the globe, look what's taking place in this duet. You have somebody in the middle of the country singing with somebody on the coast. You have somebody who looks like me in the middle of the country. And you have somebody who looks like someone else from the, the coast of the country. And, and here they're singing this song by Lionel Richie together. Okay. What does that mean? Well, we fast, we, we go on to my presentation here. So here's 81 and here's 2016. <laughs> it turns out that duet is going to help you understand who's going to win the election. And in fact, if you, if, you, if you look back at that map, the dude was in a swing state. And the woman was in a, in a non-swing state, California. Well, we've done a lot of research on data. We found that music binds people and communities. If you want to look at the question of the election, we could say, well, what's the platform? What are the politics? Here's a different question. What's the culture? What's the culture of the people? 
And how does that differ by region? Is there this gigantic divide between regions and culture in the country? There is. Can we measure with music data? Yes, in fact you can. This is a graph that shows you how people are connected across the world through music, and specifically a social graph. Yeah, it's, it's confusing, it's almost an abstract piece of art. If you look down and you see that, that pink fissure, that's Japan. That's all anime and cape and J-pop. It's pretty limited to the island of Japan. If you see the Korean thing, it's that yellow greenish thing. That's mostly K-pop. Turns out K-pop is transcendent, transcultural. Only 50% of K-pop duets start in Korea. The other 50% are all places around the world, Malaysia, Los Angeles, huge number of K-pop. But it's interesting though, but we can look at how cultural travels and we can measure culture by musical preferences. And so this is what we did. And so I'm sharing with you for the first time the, a presidential poll, a forecast of the election based on musical preferences. And so here's what we did. We looked at 100 million performances on our product in the past three months and we organized those by state. We looked at performances in red states, blue states, and then we looked at performances by genre and we created normative behavior in each of those regions to predict what those preferences might be. And then we went through each swing state and we did a statistical analysis to see if it more closely aligned with the red or the blue states. And in the process, predicted political affiliations. So here's an example graph that shows you musical preference by state and genre. It's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> so the blue is the blue states, the red, the red states, and then the circle here is genre. And you can look at how it varies. You can look at how there are some commonalities across musical genre and culture in this country, but there's some distinctive differences. Let's highlight some of those. In the blue states, you have this huge push into musicals and Latin music. In the red states, we have a huge push into Christian and country. Um, nowhere on the graph is, is Christian rap. That's a new genre that's still developing. That was a joke. <laughs> um, and then you can see the intersection between these genres. So what's interesting is you also see a push out on 80s and 90s music, that Lionel Richie song. And it turns out that ends up being a significant chunk of the demographic here if we're trying to look at where different states align. The safe bet though, if you're going to a party and you want to avoid politics, stay away from country, stay away from Christian and gospel, stay away from Latin, stay away from musicals. Hip hop's pretty safe. R&B is actually pretty safe too, interesting. All right, so let's drill down on a couple swing states. First off, this is how our map looks and it's not the same map that we see today. And, you know, we're, we're partly having fun here, right? But I will tell you it's 100 million uh, performances behind this data and actual statistical analysis. And I will say four years ago we called the last election. Um, published in the Huffington Post, we only missed one state, Florida. We called the rest of them. So I'm hoping that we are more accurate that time around than this time, we'll see. But you can see how we've identified some of the red states by musical preference, lined up with those genres we talked about versus 
the blue states, Democratic-leading states. So I think what would be fun is to drill down on a few of those swing states and to try to see, are they more aligned culturally with red or blue states? All right, so here's Ohio, key swing state, right? And if you look at the polls today in Ohio, it's anybody's call, who knows? Um, for the Democrats in Ohio, we look at the top songs as El Perdón, Forgiveness, and, but you can't do it like me. And for the Republicans, some of the more popular songs are Kick the Dust Up and Have a Beer. Um, a factoid, 5% of all country songs across the country are sung in Ohio. However, 6% of all punk songs in the country are performed in Ohio. And so if you look at how Ohio lines up, they actually have a, a significant push into country, but also into hip hop and Latin, and big push into even alternative with a Fisher going out there into musicals. So you can compare that brown chart and see how it lines up with the blue and red charts to see how much cultural alignment there are, there is between Ohio and the normative red or blue behaviors. How about Arizona? Very unusual state. You also see El Perdón up there and El Bobo. So significant Latin presence of musical preference in Arizona. Also big musical preference, um, even bigger than Latin. Also a big alternative push. The song that resonates most for the Republicans is Before He Cheats. That's very popular in the state. Interesting, Watch Me Whip was sung more than the entire Latin genre in Arizona. That surprised us. But when you line this up, you could see it's, it's, it's tough to make a call. Of course, here we'll throw statistics at it and see how it comes out. But I mean, there's a question of, in the sweet spot of the curve, really around that 80s, 90s, 2000 music, whether or not there's a gap between, say, Arizona and our analysis of, of blue states. Here's North Carolina. So popular songs in North Carolina uh, for Democrats, Rotten to the Core. It's a musical. Uh, songs for Republicans, Don't Close Your Eyes, Good Girl. Are you guys waiting in suspense for the call on the election? Yeah. Okay, probably. Factoid, when normalized for pop, North Carolina is 50% more likely to sing Christian than its nearest state, Texas. So much more pronounced Christian influence in terms of music in North Carolina than even Texas. And you can see that, right? Do you see that chart, how it pushes down into the Christian segment? All right, so what we ended up finding, and here's we're having a little bit of fun, but this is serious too, the Kevin Costner factor. Turns out there's a genre of music, late 80s, early 90s, that ends up becoming quite material and defining whether swing states are more closely aligned with red or blue states. So there's two examples I'm citing here. There's The Bodyguard, I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston. And then from Princess of Thieves, I Do It For You, uh, Brian Adams. Let, let's check out one of those duets from Brian Adams. All right, guys. All right, try ulit natin tong song na to. Banyaga, guys. Banyaga tayo. Try. Right. Gonna try. You can see once again we have a swing state and a blue state. Look into my eyes. Wow. 
So is this America? Maybe this is America. I actually think this is America. So here you have a Kevin Costner song, well, Brian Adams, from a Kevin Costner movie, that ends up being pivotal in terms of our data of trying to predict where the swing states are going. And in fact, it's that 80s and early 90s musical genre that ended up determining, at least as far as our analysis, where the swing states ultimately ended up, some of them. All right, so here's the call. Clinton wins, but it's a lot closer than anybody predicted. And specifically, if you look at the country and Christian music preferences in North Carolina and Ohio, it's somewhat offset by the Latin and musical genre preferences. In this 80s, 90s music, were pivotal in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, which ended up being the difference in the election. So, who knows if our data is actually gonna be accurate? I hope not. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the map looks a little bit different than this one. But if, if the question instead is culture, and how the country's divided or aligned in terms of culture, then this map is pretty representative. All right. Uh, I'd love to open it up for one or two questions, but I hope it was fun for you to take a look at data and potentially the predictive power of data in understanding our world and understanding how um, our country is coming together uh, through music. Question. Do you know how the overall demographic data on... I'll talk louder. Do you know how the overall demographic data on SMULE skews? Sure, sure. You know, it varies on iOS versus Android. <laughs> Those are two different demographics out of the gate. But, you know, in this country, we have around 200 million installs. And there's 350 million people. So we have a pretty good slice of the population that's represented in, in the analysis. Um, it's, our demographic is slightly more female than male. Um, Do you know about income distributions? It's all over the map. Even eight years ago, it was surprising. People that were buying iPhones didn't own homes, didn't even own cars, and they were buying iPhones. So, yeah, from a socioeconomic standpoint, it's all over the map. But one of the it's a good question to ask, and so, yeah. But I think the same question could be asked for how you're normalizing any data or any research. But with 200 million installs across 
an adult population of 250 and overall population of 350, it's, it's pretty representative. It, 20 million. We have 20 million performances per day across the network. And so um, we looked at the 100 million, uh, and we looked at the trend the past three months. We tried to see what it was looking like over the summer and how it's changed a bit over September. And let me clarify, I, I am not a scientific pollster, right? Um, this is art. This is us trying to understand society through art, which is interesting, and it's emerging field. And until recently, we haven't had a lot of data to understand how people engage in music and why they engage in music. And so with the data now and with the science that we're building, it is an interesting time. But anyway, to answer your question, yeah, we, it was 100 million songs we looked at for this analysis. Uh, it, it varies. You have power users that are coming back a lot, spending two, three hours a day in our products. You have other people that are in and out and gone on, on, on the products. So it, it varies. It's all across the map in terms of retention. This is something that, of course, we're working on. We're trying to figure out how to motivate people to keep coming back. We're seeing an increasing number of people on our network who are listening to music, not just creating the music. In fact, if you look at our MAUs today, um, a third of the MAUs are just coming in from web where people are sharing content off of web so that they're not participating at all in anything beyond listening. Yeah? Is there a limitation to the library of songs they can pick from? Not really. Not really. So uh, we are creative here. So first off, uh, we have copyright licenses with every major publisher across the world and blanket licenses, and we're licensing the copyright. We're not licensing the master recording because it's your voice, not Beyonce's. So that sets up for a very different licensing structure, but also a different structure in how we can distribute the content, disseminate the content. So you really couldn't build a social network, I think, around master recordings, in part because there's no user content, but also because of licensing restrictions. Having said that, um, in addition to our own music production team, who's great, our community creates all the backing tracks. And so we, ha we have a tool on our website that allow people to create that backing track, the lyrics, the timings, all of the other information, and, and then we'll pay a license out on that um, for any copyright version. But that means we have, we have songs literally in, across the globe in a vast catalog. We not only have the catalog represented the United States, we have like 100,000 songs in Indonesia. We have 100,000 songs in, in Brazil. And so through crowdsourcing of the catalog, we've significantly expanded the, the um, music that we can offer to our community to, to perform, but it's still falling under how we've structured our licensing regime. All right, I'm out of time. Guys, thanks a lot for coming to Music Tech. I hope that this was a little bit of fun. <laughs> Um, look forward to meeting you today. Have a great day.